0: Buyers and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Seth Kahn, an executive strategy advisor on change and innovation. He has worked extensively with the president of the World Bank, the director of the Peace Corps, senior leaders at Royal Dutch Shell, and over 100 association executives. He is the author of four books and his book, Getting Change Right, is a business bestseller. Seth is one of the thought leaders that I follow personally, and I find him to be very thoughtful, articulate, and wise. I have him here today because he and I both engage in solo thinking time. We do it differently, but we both recognize the value. Seth, let's just dive right in. How long have you been doing this, and why did you start?
1: Well, I've been doing it for like decades. Um, I started off as a little kid with my dad taking me into the woods. And um, it was a really special time, the two of us. It was not always filled with conversation. There was a lot of time to appreciate nature and silent walks and enjoyment together. And I think that was the beginning for me. And so the wilderness became a place that I retreated to when I felt like I needed to think clearly and not have the demands of everyday life on me.
0: So there's a difference between you and I in this regard. I also uh, love nature. I love hiking. I love getting outdoors. I think there's a lot of mental health benefits and certainly a lot of research on the mental health benefits. But I prefer access to indoor plumbing while you really head off into the woods. So tell me about that dynamic for you.
1: I like sleeping on the ground. Um, it does something special for me. In fact, I was at the Acropolis in Athens, Greece once, and I lay down on the ground and I remember the guard coming up to me saying, you can't do that, sir. <laughs> like, I'm not taking a nap. I'm communing with nature. Sorry, you can't do that.
0: <laughs> is, it the, is it just that you really are off the grid and you're away and there's no distractions?
1: Yes, it is. There's no no texts are coming through, no emails coming through. There's no way to communicate. I have I set up a protocol with my wife so she knows that I'm safe, you know. And um, and when I, recently I've been going into Shenandoah National Park, which has the added feature that they you have to fill out a backcountry camping form, tell them where you are, and so if someone you know if they want to find you, they can come and get you. And I actually like that. It's kind of like guardrails on the experience. Um, but uh, yeah, it is about getting off the grid for me.
0: So how do you benefit from the habit and how does your work benefit?
1: Well, for me, it's a real time to just let go of everything and check in with myself. Um, You know, there's so many different, I mean, I'm a a father, I'm a husband, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a consultant, um, I'm involved in political activity, racial equity activity. I have all these roles and sometimes I just feel like I'm spinning around in a hall of mirrors and I want to remember who I am and what I'm here doing in the world and what is most important to me about being alive. I feel very, very aware of the preciousness of life. And I want to make sure that I'm staying connected to my integrity as I go through it.
0: I call it harnessing the power of the pause mm. and practicing focus, focus. Focus, focus. Focus, focus. It is the right. magic, the magic that happens when you really kind of make sure things are in focus so that you don't so that you don't lose sight of what's important i think it's very very easy to be busy but not necessarily busy doing the right things or things that really matter and you know when everything is said and done and i get to the end of this life i really want to have made a difference and i want to have focused on things that are important and one of the obstacles that i hear from executives about even just setting aside some solo thinking time in the office when we still were in the office is that they were just too busy. And I think we're too busy not to take time off.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, a, a good friend of mine used to say, you got to hurry up and slow down so you can go faster. Hmm. Um, you know, so there that downtime to reevaluate, to reflect is, super valuable i mean it can change the whole course of your you know it's like that thing about planting a tree that if you get it when the seed is little it makes it you know all the difference in the world with the larger tree and things in life come up like that opportunities come up they might seem attractive and then when you step back from them you realize the stress they're going to bring in or they're not guaranteed to get the results that you want or you know so that ability to step back disengage and question what you're doing is key
0: I really find that I'm actually able to go faster after a period of rest, uh, because when you're running on low fuel, it's just not the same as when your your tank is full. Uh, You know, you and I both believe that thinking time is an essential part of both strategy and innovation. I know that some people look at it as navel-gazing and wasted time, uh, but you and I don't. But, but because this time is undervalued, and in your work, you work with so many association professionals, uh, including many, many, many CEOs. How do you see them benefit when they take time away so that there actually is a return on
1: investment? Well, you've already said one, which is the energy recoup. So, you know, you, it, and it's a good thing because if you go away for three days, you come back to three days worth of email. You, yeah, want, to have more, <laughs> you want to have more than enough energy to plow through that. You don't want to feel like it's a wash, you know, <laughs> but then there's, but then there's the important decisions and uh, listening to the still small voice inside. How many times have I plowed through that still small voice only to regret it later? I can't count them. Um, But when you take that downtime, that's what comes up. That's what's that's what's in the foreground.
0: Well, I think a lot of ideas break through in stillness and solitude and quiet but because that's not what we practice on a regular basis. You know, we sometimes we're on a hamster wheel and we're frantic and we just got to get to the next thing. We got to get to the next board meeting and we got to prepare a budget and we got to do this. So we got to do that. And so it's really hard to measure the return on investment because the return isn't always tangible. Sometimes it is intangible. But I think now, especially post-pandemic, But it's the pandemic is responsible for a lot of reordering strategies, priorities, staffing, revenue. And I think this makes thinking time even more important going forward. So how can we how can we harness uh, this quiet solitude and get rid of the habits that that really reward and recognize busyness?
1: Yeah, well, so you're asking, like, what do we do on the retreat to to harness that energy? Or are you asking before and after the retreat? How do we evaluate? actually
0: both? When should when should let's let's talk about all of it?
1: Okay, um, well, first off, you know what takes place during the retreat. Um, this is an area because I've done it, I don't know, hundreds of times at this point in my life that I've explored deeply because I've gone on retreats where nothing happened, you know, and um, when you're in that space, what I mean, for me, it's in a tent in the woods for you, it might be in a resort room in a hotel, when you're in that space, um, it just feels like normal life, it doesn't feel like something special is going to happen there, or that you're going to get the deep dive that you're looking for. And uh, if you're not careful, it can be like that all the way through. (laughs) So I have rituals that I do that set the time aside, and say, this is this is sacred time for me um and i found that for me it's really important to conduct those rituals just like when i go on a trip you know when i when i walk into the hotel room one of the first things i do if i'm not running off to a meeting is unpack and that's a ritual that grounds and says i'm here now this is my base you know and when i come home i unpack and do my laundry as soon as i possibly can because it says to me, I'm home now. This is now, now, I'm back with my family. I've changed the environment I'm in. And those rituals, as kind of mundane as they are, are the transition zone for me from one to the other. Um, with my camping trips, I always keep a list of things that I learned on a trip. And sometimes that means buying supplies. Like I, on my last trip, I, I'm, a, I'm a light camper. So I go into ultralight, you know, taking as little as I can. I had this little plastic fork and spoon, and that was all I took. And I was stirring up my uh, morning oatmeal (laughs) and my plastic fork just melted right in the pan. And I was like, oh, get a metal one, Seth. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, so I came back and I bought a metal, you know, it's like you're talking like $2 here. It's not a big expense, but, you know, um, I bought a a special set for, you know, stuff. There's always things like that. Uh, I discovered that my water purifier only uses lithium batteries. So I always take an extra set of batteries in the woods, but now I know if they're not lithium, they're not going to help with my water purifier. Um, so it's like it's like that transition zone of unpacking, putting the laundry away, looking at my to-do list. What do I learn? What do I need to buy? All of that sews together the worlds, and it and it makes that sacred time all the more powerful. Um, so that you know what I'm writing in my journal, the topics I choose to focus on. And it's not all work. I mean, one of the reasons I'm there is because I'm chilling. But when I do work, it helps me really pick the right thing to drill into.
0: I love what you said about uh, making sure that expectations are realistic in, in that, you know, you're not, not every piece of time away uh, results in some sort of lightning bolt. Right. Newfound information or insight. Sometimes you're just away and being away is enough. But uh, I, one of the, the things that I do is it's pretty much no le- electronics for me. Um, I, I may have them with me. I may do a quick check-in at, at a given interval, but for the most part, uh, no laptop. I'm uh, really a paper and pen thinker. I love blank paper. I love just writing what comes to mind. And my ritual actually starts. I I am horrible at sitting still. So all of my retreats sit. I start by sitting still for 10 Mm. minutes. And I'm such a bad sitter stiller that (laughs) I have to set a timer. I literally. And so this is where I allow an electronic. I literally set a timer for 10 minutes and then that's my ritual. And then once that 10 minutes is over, then the brainstorming and the thinking and the deciding and the, uh, you know, anything else that's going to happen can happen. Um, so it doesn't take much, uh, but I, I think it does help to have a ritual. So your brain says, okay, now this is, this is thinking time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How about any resources that have been helpful for you in prioritizing or uh, deciding what your away time is going to look like, or maybe it's just been intuitive for you?
1: Well, um, so I do take electronics with me into the woods. Um, And that was a conscious decision that I made uh, about a year ago when uh, there were some tools that I wanted for my retreat that I didn't have. And I decided that I was going to do it. Now I'm the places where I go, I'm off the grid. So there's no internet connectivity. So I can't go to Facebook, I can't read the news, I can't get emails, I don't get text messages, no phone calls, all of that's been handled because of the location. But I have about, uh, literally about 15 different journals that I keep on various subjects and they're all electronic for me. Um, And I also enjoy dictating uh, journal entries. and so my electronics allow me to do that. But I even go farther. Sometimes I I'll do something fun. Like I'll take my iPad and I'll. Uh, let's see, last August I downloaded a four-hour biography of Frank Sinatra. Oh. (laughs) So there I was in the middle of the Adirondacks (laughs) in my tent at night, every, you know, crickets and owls outside. And I'm in in like whatever that was, like 1950s Las Vegas, you know. I'm like, it I I have been wanting to watch that biography for years and I never had the time. So I thought, why don't I just download it? Maybe. And I did. And it became a real source of pleasure for me. It was like an indulgence that I had on my trip. So so I do take these things in, but then I um, and one of the reasons is because uh, in my journals, I regularly keep notes on the stuff that are my challenges in life, and how I'm handling them. And sometimes challenges can feel like real, like obstacles and impediments. But when I'm in a grounded place, I realize that my challenges are my growing edge. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually grateful for them. You know, I can lean into them. Um, I don't have to push through them, but I can lean into them. and that And that gives me a sense of where my growth is. So that's That can be helpful too.
0: I like looking back at journals to see that I've made progress. And sometimes, where I haven't made much progress, I decide that it's really not as important as I Mm. thought it was. So, I've actually tagged some of my journal entries that I consider to be pivotal moments where I either decided or decided not to. And I I like to go back and review those just as a a reference point. Um, I love it that. That your time away can also be indulgence time. Yeah, because uh, I, I think indulging ourselves is one way to refuel, and uh, one way to be ready to go. Uh, as you said, we, it is kind of punishing when you reenter and you get back to the office, uh, but but easier to do when you've had an indulgence or or a treat. So as we wrap up, any advice you would give to association executives who would love to start this habit but haven't yet been able to?
1: Yeah, put it on your calendar, book the plane flight or the car trip or whatever it is, uh, make yourself do it. That's, that's one thing. I, I book my retreats uh, weeks in advance and I even have a periodic reminder that comes up so that I'm thinking about the next six to 12 months. Uh, because if I'm, if I'm thinking about the next two to six months, it's too late. My calendar's already full and there's already things happening. Um, It doesn't always work. For me, the weather plays a really big uh, factor. I mean, I don't love to camp in the rain. I don't, you know, I don't want to camp. Can't imagine why. Yeah, right. I mean, I have camped in the rain and I've certainly made do with rain on a camping trip. But if I'm looking at the weather and it says four days of thunderstorms, I'm not going, you know, Um, so so what I will do is I will block two adjacent weekends three months apart, two adjacent, two adjacent, two adjacent, so that when I start coming up to it, I got two choices for the weather. And sometimes even that's not enough depending on the weather, but still. So it's getting it on the calendar, making the commitment to it, moving things around so that you can hold the space, that's huge. I think that that follows though on the in- internal commitment that says, I wanna try this. I wanna see if there's something I can get out of this that I'll. that's worth the time for me, that's worth the investment. Um, my, I'll just add, my wife loves to uh, go to luxury resorts. She's not; uh, she will camp, but it's, she doesn't enjoy it the way I do. And um, and there's nothing wrong with that either. And and I know you go to a cabin. Um, we haven't talked that much about it, but whatever it is that is going to help you have that alone time and the renewal time, uh, it, it really is not about the you know camping. It's it's that's my way.
0: We have a couple of retreat centers here and i've been able to make use of them they're they're inexpensive Uh, you know food is provided but they both have walking paths, so there's an opportunity for me to be outdoors, but I'm away. Uh, one of them is a small cabin on a lake, so it's a beautiful environment, but a very quiet, quiet area, reasonably priced, and indoor plumbing, because that's important to me. <laughs> um, but, but it can be anywhere, and I'm actually looking for some new places because I feel like I've fallen into a little bit of a rut, and so I want to try some... New areas to keep my my brain fresh and to so that I don't become uh, complacent. Um, you mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. Uh, I also have this on my calendar quarterly. So when I leave one retreat and move to the next, the I know when the next date is. So I do this quarterly. And it is very possible the first time you do it, nothing magical will happen. And if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, as they say. Um, I was deeply influenced by Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. Mm. That is where I had been doing this for many, many years. But in December of 16, I started doing it very, very deliberately uh, because I believed that there are some things that can get done when you have time and space that can't get done when you have to answer email and you're and you're frenzied. So that has been uh, something that has really, uh, really benefited me. Um, anything you want to Anything you want to share here as as we wrap up, Seth? You're always so good about just having some wonderful parting thoughts. No pressure. <laughs>
1: Well, for me, uh, the retreat is a spiritual thing, and that's one of the reasons why I go into the woods because that's where I connect, for me, with the with the uh, the awesome and the the greater than me. Um, and uh, so, I have I, I take joy in reading books about how to do spiritual solo retreats, even though I don't practice in the tradition of the book. So, there's some great books on Christian retreats. There's some great books on Jewish retreats on Buddhist retreats, and I would not say that I'm any one of those three in terms of my personal habits, but I get value out of all of them, and so I've learned so much by reading how other people have conducted their retreats, and that's where, for example, the ritual, you know, came to me that I'm going to open and close the retreat with a ritual, and that's about being centered and, and making a statement of intent about why I'm there, that this is a special time that I've created for myself, and, you know, um, so anyways, I think there's a lot of resources out there on solo retreats in, form, in the form of books written by uh, spiritual authors. And I recommend those.
0: Thank you. That, you know, that reminds me, uh, some of my influence came from the whole idea of sabbaticals. Mm. And I just call them micro sabbaticals. Nice. So it's not a six month or a three month or a year, it might just be a 24 hour, it might be one day. And and I would encourage people to think about that. If they can't do a whole day, then do a half day. If they can't do a half day, do an hour. I really believe that this is a habit that benefits leaders. And if you're not pouring into yourself, then who's pouring into you? And if you're coming from a place of emptiness, then how can you lead others with energy and enthusiasm if if you're not willing to take the time to to fill yourself up? So Seth, uh, people are probably going to think we're both really woo-woo after they've listened to this, (laughs) but I am hoping that they see the value of solo thinking time because I know you and I are sold on it.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today.